2: Tonight on Fast, Tim is cooking. Apple soaring to new all-time highs, and the chartmaster says break out the rally caps. This record run just getting started. Carter Worth will break down the charts straight ahead. Speaking of charts, Dan says this chart should keep BK up at night. What it is, who it is, and why this weekend could be a critical moment for the trade. Then gearing up for earning just look at all the big names set to report results next week it's enough to make you say no thanks but don't worry we're cutting through all the noise to bring you the four stocks to keep on your radar just four not five not three four all right welcome everybody i am not melissa lee i am brian sullivan in for melissa tonight and your trader lineup on this friday Dan Nathan, Brian Kelly, Carter Worth, and Nadine Terman. Welcome, everybody, and let's get right to it. Because apparently, all the economic and COVID variant worries that led the headlines in the market swoon yesterday, well, they vanished today. It was a nice Friday rally to end the week. And take the family to Sizzler tonight, if you want, because all three <laughs> major indexes setting new records at the close. The S&P rising more than a percent, the Dow Jumping nearly 450 points, that move was enough to push the Dow positive for a week like a boss snowplow. All this coming is bond yields broke an eight-day losing streak, but are still down 18% in three months. So Dan Nate, we'll start with you. Was yesterday just some kind of money flow-related anomaly? Or maybe today was the odd day out in an overall downtrend?
3: Yeah, you know, Sully, I think it had a lot to do with that reversal in bond yields. I know a lot of um, stock market investors were keeping a very close eye on that 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. Carter Braxton Worth made a heck of a call when it was near the highs some point in March and April saying, I think we break here, it's losing momentum, and it did break. And that was the pain trade. It was lower. It seemed like the whole investment community was playing for higher yields. It didn't happen. But the stock market didn't really seem to care the reasons why yields were going down. Usually you think that's a good scenario here, but really what I think a lot of us were saying is that it really was, um, uh, it was really just, I I guess, a referendum on future growth expectations. So you hit that 1.25 level. That was the level that Carter had been looking for and a lot of other strategists who are on the other side of the consensus. And stocks just kind of took their cue from it, I mean, at the end of the day. So I just think it's a really difficult setup if you think we go into earnings. We're going to talk about bank earnings that start in earnest next week to have stocks rip-roaring into them, especially up 16% of the year in the S&P 500.
2: All right, Carter, getting a little Nathan love there. Right, good well, call, by the I, way. I what do you that. see now? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah, amazing. Happy Friday. Yeah. What was well, the I reversal? Mean, what do you see now? Talk
4: about the love right out of the gate, right of the gate all, all that love. And thank you, Dan, because um, he could have easily said, and you had the following 10 duds, which I do. We all do. But the question is this, really. With rates sinking like this, despite the rebound, what is the real message? Is it a slowdown in the economic activity, the PMIs, the ISMs? Is it that earnings are peak? Nobody knows. What we do know is this sell-off, obviously rally in bonds, is way outside consensus. And at this point, the question is, does the market really have a lot of room to run? We also know that there is a little bit of a breath issue. So we consider the fact that while, yes, the S&P and the Dow make new highs, But the S&P mid-cap, it hasn't made a high in almost two months. The Russell 2000, almost four months. The transports uh, peaked in May. And so you do need some of the other indices that speak to smaller mid-cap names to come to life to support, if you will, or to uh, verify, or uh, what other word you might like, the strength in the S&P. But we do know that the top five stocks in the S&P are 23%. It is a a one-way train with the super cap names.
2: It certainly is. You know, Nadine, let's talk about yields and markets, because uh, this morning on Worldwide Exchange, 5 a.m. Eastern Time, by the way, chief plug, we heard from Guggenheim Scott Minard, who made a really out of consensus call a couple of months ago on 10-year yields, saying they're going to go down, not up. Everybody thought, oh, Minard's finally off his rocker. The call's looking good, but his view is not that yields are falling because things are are bad. It's that insurance companies need yield. They need revenue. They need income. They're going to buy bonds. Foreign sovereigns, Japan, Maybe even China will come in. What does the yield on the 10-year tell you? Does it tell you that certain parts of the global economy are scared about the U.S.? Or simply maybe as bad as real returns are, you know, 1% is better than no percent.
0: For us, it's really about the macro data. We can see that the growth of GDP across the world in most of the markets is going to slightly decelerate. It doesn't mean it's not at a high growth level. It's that the relative level is decelerating, so not accelerating. And so we had seen that probably in August, you're going to start to see the numbers come in to support that view. Um, And our view was that bonds actually were going to rally. So yesterday um, I I, uh, sold my long term treasury. Uh, Thinking, okay, now they're overbought, but back, you know, when they're in the 150s, that they were oversold. Um, And I think right now what you're seeing, it's going to trade in a range. Our range is about 1.25 to 1.41 for um, the TLT and uh, for the yield. And, and that's where we're going to be playing it. And I think, you know, the, the fight's always about, is this going to be permanent? Is this temporary for the inflation? I think with energy being up so high, and you can see with residential real estate, um, the rents being up high, those are two critical components. And so it's not going to let us go through that 1% number that he was talking about, but it's going to stay in a range and you're going to yeah. bounce around in that range for a while. So you've got to trade it.
2: Trade it. Uh, You know, I guess, BK, if the rents were too damn high a few years ago, (laughs) I'm not sure what they're saying right now. What is the 10-year yield dose telling you? Is it saying, be careful? Is it a warning sign? Is it flashing a red light or is it simply saying something completely outside of the equity markets and giving the all clear to continue to buy big tech? Particularly, to Carter's point, those five names that control a quarter of the market.
5: Yeah, well, listen, I mean, what we've seen, what the market has told us is that hey, the equity markets want higher yields. It's just as simple as that. We had yields go, to, um, yeah, we said yields go higher today, and the equity market went higher. Why did that happen? Because we had, the, in my view, we had the triple R cut from China, which had been telegraphed, but it seemed like the market paid attention to that today. And then yields have come down enough, and the market, equity market somewhat came down enough where we might be start getting some more dovish speak out of the Federal Reserve. So to the extent that any of the weakness in the broader market was because people were, gonna, were afraid the Fed was going to pull away the punch bowl or whatever worn-out cliche you want to use, when you start to see somebody like China cut triple R, their credit impulse comes back, that feeds into the rest of the market and says, hey, wait a second, maybe we should be back on it. Maybe the worst is past us. And now we got to start anticipating an upturn.
2: And we all know that worn-out cliches, BK, are a dime a dozen. Good discussion there on the macro. Let's get a little more micro now. You see what I did there? Apple yes. yeah. kind of quietly a big part of this run. Now, don't tell anybody anything, but shares of Apple are up 14% in just a month. And they're hitting a new all-time high today. And your chart master says this record run, a new record run in what has been a series of records may just be getting started. Carter, what are you seeing that is so bullish in the Apple chart?
4: Right, so it's, it's really, think about the, what you said, it made a, a record high today. That in and of itself as a standalone data point could be a stock that's in a steady uptrend that makes a new high and makes a new high, but this is a different circumstance. Today, Apple is just getting out of a range, and we'll look at a few charts in a second, just getting out of a range that it's been mired in for the better part of 10 months. And as sort of a roadmap or a preview of coming attractions, we can look at other large cap names that were in the exact same situation that have indeed broke out. So let's, let's do that. Uh, I have three. So the first is Adobe. And if you see the setup here, we know that Adobe coming off the pandemic low uh, crushes the stock market. And then, having gotten a bit ahead of itself, rests 8, 10 months. And then it broke out. Yes, and right now we're 13% above the breakout level. Now take a look at the next chart, this is Amazon. It's the exact same chart, totally different business but the circumstance is the same. A great run off the low that crushes the market, gets ahead of itself and then rests in that tight, tight consolidation and then it breaks out and it's up 6% versus Adobe 13 from the breakout point. Now look at Apple. Apple is literally the exact same chart. And the point about pure charting is you're not looking at what the business does, what they what they say. I don't do any of that. It's not to say that one shouldn't. You can, but it's not what I do. This setup is identical to Adobe and Amazon. And here's the interesting thing: we know it's high. You can see that line drawn it was in January, It's the 25th of January, at 145 spot 09, and today it closed at 145 spot 11, two cents,
2: two. Carter Braxton worth just nailing it. Here. Dan Nathan, maybe some more love for Carter. Man, with Dan, with all due respect to Adobe, interesting story, doesn't matter the market overall. Apple and Amazon are a top fifteen holding in more than two hundred ETFs each. They if those charts are accurate, I mean it's hard to see how the market itself doesn't go up because man, those are big, big two big donkeys pulling
3: the cart. Well, we've been talking a lot about rotations of different sectors, and it has had a lot to do over the last, let's call it six months or so, um, about rates, right, and where we've seen money rotate into. We saw, um, you know, tech go sideways as rates started to go higher, and then we saw money uh, flow into cyclicals, uh, financials, that sort of thing. So Carter's on this trade, and I'm going to throw another one on him, because right now, um, look at NVIDIA. NVIDIA broke out in early June to a new all-time high, had a very similar pattern, a long consolidation validation, that stock is up 22% from its breakout. Now, I'll tell you this, that's a half a trillion dollar market cap stock. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that he's right on Amazon, he's right on Apple, they could continue to run. I don't like the setup, though. If they continue to run into their Q2 prints, it's a really hard um, hold, I think, if you have a runaway breakout into those reports. Because I go back to late April and early May when they reported Q1 earnings, and all of those stocks traded poorly after very good results. So to me, I think that there's um, a lot of heavy lifting that they can do for the broad market here, but be careful into earnings. So this is so quickly, Dan, just to follow up. This is, you think, the run. This is the earnings optimism early. A little bit. I think the technicals have a lot to do with it. And also, when you think about the fact that, you know, Google, Facebook and Microsoft, which Carter made a great call early in the week and said, sell those to fund the purchases of Apple and Amazon, they're all up 25, 28 and 43 percent respectively. So those two stocks, Apple and Amazon, are basically uh, underperforming the broad market here. So they could definitely play some catch up. I agree with Carter.
2: Yeah, I mean, BK, what do you think? Apple, Amazon breaking out? Do you like one more than the other?
5: Uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I agree with Carter in that they are the same trade, right? And in a sense, because they're, quote-unquote, big tech and they fall under that umbrella, you can then think about it as if we are in a slower growth period than we've been, then this is the place you want to be. We know that these generally have idiosyncratic growth idiosyncratic growth and that's where you want to be so that's why to me these look like the same chart it's not about what people do with their what people think about their business it's how people react in the market and how people are trading their portfolio and so if i had to pick of the two a's here i'd probably go amazon Mm. just because there may be a catalyst here with the new ceo
2: i feel like nadine it's a tow truck trade right triple a but just the other one if you had to pick one of the a's (laughs) adobe amazon apple One you favor?
0: You know, I think you can have a whole basket. I don't even think you have to pick one on this because they all have implied volatility premiums, so people are paying up for protection that are pretty high. You can even do the XLK or the QQQ. It's kind of all the same trade. Um, I don't think you have to dump Microsoft or Google to be able to fund the others. I think that tech still has a room to run. But um, just as we talked about a second ago, you have to be careful into earnings because that's when fundamentals come into play. Um, and once you get over your skis on some of these names, you have to be careful because you start to you know, implied volatility premium starts going down. And that means that people wipe yeah. off the protection and any one thing can make these stocks go down again.
2: Yeah, and Dan said be careful because this might be the run-up into earnings. All right, let's move on. And speaking of earnings, get ready for next week because it will truly be an earnings abundanza. But if the numbers scare you, don't sweat it. We're going to name the names, not many, but the ones that really matter, trade it or fade it. Plus, maybe a make or break moment for Bitcoin. One of our traders says this weekend could be a critical moment for the crypto trade. He will tell you why. We've got all that and more when Fast Money returns on a Friday right after
6: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
2: And welcome back to a Friday Fast Money. Well, ready or not, here come earnings. Just check out all the big names reporting next week. Now, really, I want you to read them all carefully. We'll wait. All right, no, we won't. Because it is a great time to hit, trade it, or fade it. We're going to take all those names on that big board and break down the four key names you need to watch. Everybody ready? I think so. Let's start with Goldman Sachs. Goldman up 12% in three months, but... Off a recent high of 391 early in June, Nadine, trade or fade? Goldman.
0: Brian, Brian, I'm going to trade it. I think you can trade it from the range of 355 to 379. Um, Everybody knows the trading comps are hard, so that's a no-no. But also everybody knows investment banking has been good this year, lots of M&A. So it's really going to come down to the strategic initiatives that they talk about. And they have plenty of them, whether it's through the renewable trading, whether it's through the payments. I think that's really what's going to drive the stock. So did I like it more yesterday? Yes. But I still think you can trade this one for next week.
3: Dan? Yeah, I think you fade this one here, Brian. And and listen, uh, maybe it makes plenty of great points. I think yesterday at Lowe's, it looked really bad. It was about at the low end of her range. And I don't think you want to be long it um, below that. The stock is up 40 percent of the year. It's up 100 percent from its October lows. This is the most front end loaded year that this company will ever have in many of the banks. And I just think that as investors get comfortable with deceleration uh, or the valuations that they're willing to pay, this is not an expensive stock. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think that the back half of the year is going to be far more challenging um, than some some periods that we've seen over the last year for Goldman Sachs. So I'm not a buyer here of Goldman.
2: All right. One trade, one fade. That's what it's all about. Looking down here at my charts, let's go to the next one. United Health, because it is one of the better stocks in the Dow this year, a little bit higher than average, Mm -hmm. 41.5% gain over 12 months, but now BK at 23 times earnings. According to FactSet, do you trade the UNH or do you fade the UNH?
5: Yeah, well, so everything that you just mentioned is really good, but that's why I want to fade it here. And this is not about what I think the company is going to do or what I think the earnings are going to be. It's really about trade location. And a lot of this game is about where do I get into a trade? What is my risk reward? So think about it this way. I've got earnings coming up. I am approaching a high. It looks like it might be a double top. So why not take some off the table going into the trade? And guess what? If I'm wrong about it, I can buy the all-time high breakout. So in terms of risk-reward, it is much better, in my view, to fade this than to buy it or and or trade it into earnings.
2: Okay, Carter, what do you think? What are the charts telling you on United Health?
4: Well, those are all very accurate points that BK said. I mean, as a technique, you can wait for it to try to exceed a high. I happen to like it. And so I'm in the trade it category. Just a couple of things. One, this is one of the steadiest uh, equities that has ever been on the field. Just consider the fact that over the past 25 years, it's matched Microsoft, uh, literally uh, month for month, uh, one of the great performers. But the recent pullback, that's the issue. Is that a bit of a stall or is that simply a, a dip, correction, drawdown in response to the very steep preceding move of uh, the sort of March, uh, June period? That's what I think it is. I like it.
2: All right, one trade, one fade so far in the first two. Let's move on to number three, and that is Delta Airlines. Maybe one of the ultimate reopening trades is air travel hitting pre-pandemic levels. And by the way, that is only including domestic travel. Pretty amazing. But Delta down 13% in a few months, Dan. You wonder, do you fade it now because everybody simply made all the money before air travel kicked back in?
3: No, I think you traded here, Brian. Um, You know, this stock is down about um, 17% um, from its recent highs back in February, March or so. Um, It had a nice bounce from a technical perspective at its May breakout or so, which was also its 200-day moving average here. I think if you see this sort of momentum follow through into next week, and again, you might have a bit of a runway here until we start to get earnings where these stocks continue to follow through. Sentiment got really bad, despite the fact that we're all at all-time highs. So I think that somewhere in the transports, these guys were very tied to that yield trade, to that Delta variant trade. I think Delta has some room to run, maybe to the high 40s in the next week or so. The Delta, Delta, Nadine, what do you think?
0: Tana had a good point there with the runway, but I'm tra- I'm going to fade it. So you know, I'm looking at between 41 and a half to. 44.6. The only thing that I would say, it's kind of a fair fight, but I don't like is the CFO starts in July. And who doesn't like a good reset if you're coming in from GE and to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We have a plan, but I'm going to reset the bar lower. So I'd be a little bit careful going to earnings knowing that. Also, business travels down. Asia travels down. Fuel costs are up. Labor costs are up. I don't like that kind of setup, so I would definitely fade it for now.
2: we made a market in all three stocks and traded or faded. Didn't get a high conviction trade either way, but a lot of great points, everybody. Thank you very much. All right, let's move on. Coming up after the break, it is your chart of the week. And why Dan says this chart, that one right there, should be keeping old BK up at night. What that chart is and why they say it. Fast Money Returns. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It is time for your chart of the week, and it is Bitcoin. What else? Down 6% since Monday. BK, what is your take on this week's pullback for Bitcoin and or the other cryptos?
5: Yeah, so when I look at, at Bitcoin specifically, to me, it really has become this macro asset. And what I mean by that, it is responding to the macro news. So we saw bond yields come going lower. Bitcoin started to go lower with bond yields. When we saw bond yields reverse yesterday afternoon, and then today, you saw Bitcoin perk up. So to me, if you're looking for an asset that is going to hedge pro-cyclical inflation, which is what will be created by dovish tones from the Federal Reserve, Bitcoin is the place to be. So that's what I make of it. That being said, I think the rest of the crypto market is trading on its own growth curve. And that's something new that we're just starting to see. Bitcoin's going to trade macro. The rest of crypto is going to be uh, kind of a growth equity tech kicker type of trade.
3: Mm-hmm. Listen, Dan, that, saying- all makes per- yeah, that all makes perfect sense. BK has been the guy. He's been the call. But look at that chart. It is so heavy. It acts so poorly. It's making a little bit of a wedge here. It feels like it wants to test that 30,000 again. And I feel if it does, especially over a weekend when we know we've seen a lot of volatility of late, um, that's going to be a true test. It's going to be the third or fourth time in just the last month and a half or so. So to me, I think it's heavy. I think it breaks lower here.
2: All right, there we go. Good conversation on Bitcoin. It is time now for your final trade. Let's go around the horn. Carter, kick it off. Apple for a breakout. Bye. Apple for the breakout. Nadine.
0: Volkswagen, they just pre announced first half results, which were better than all of yep. 2020. So check it out for the 31 for DK? the ADR.
5: Uh, free with X. the X? You buy that one.
3: A leading global asset manager.